You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome to the BFFs. I am Frank Stample. No Greg Sussman. He's out celebrating his bachelor party down in Fort Lauderdale. Probably has a mojito or some kind of other fruity, weird drink in his hand right now, lounging on a beach or in a pool somewhere. But the show goes on regardless. Today we're going to preview the Tennessee Titans and Houston Texans from a fantasy football perspective. We're also going to do a little MLB trade deadline preview and see how that might affect some MLB future bets. I mentioned we. That means there's another person here with me, or people. I am Frank Stample, and I am joined by, first and foremost, my good buddy, Eric Young. What's going on, EY? Frankie, it's a good day. Uh, missed the show yesterday, uh, some miscommunication, and wasn't able to make it on the show, but here I am, and it is Titans week, my friend. Here you are, all decked out in the Titans gear. I love it. On the other side of the country, we have Michael Florio. What's going on, Mikey? What's up, guys? I got to say, uh, EY, I, I was hoping to see you in more Bills stuff, but it's all right. Yeah, we did the Bills earlier in the week. We actually did the Bills yesterday with Matt Modica. I missed out on having both of you guys. I, I probably should have coordinated that better. If we could have just had an all-Bills show, like I leave, come up. You know, <laughs> we have Gabe come up here, host the show. We could have had Gabe, Florio, EY, and Matt Modica. It could have just been a Buffalo Bills extravaganza. How about that? I think it would have been wild. Those guys, uh, they love their bills, those boys. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, this is legitimately the first job that I've had where I've been exposed to this many Buffalo Bills fans at once. Uh, it's, it's really interesting, to say the least. But uh, I'm sure everyone has heard the news by now. If you haven't, you probably live under a rock. Before we get into the Titans and the Texans from a fantasy football perspective, we have to talk about the breaking news earlier today. Tyreek Hill will not be suspended by the NFL, and I assume not by the Kansas City Chiefs as well. This obviously has massive, massive implications for fantasy football. I'm just going to preface this first and foremost, guys. Uh, I guess tread lightly with what you want to say about this. I'll leave the the morality and the ethics talk to uh, the fantasy football frenzy. I've already had to delete some tweets, so... uh, yeah, that's pretty much where we stand with Tyreek Hill right now. But, Mike, I know that you said that you did a you did a live best ball draft just before the show started, and uh, you have an update on where Tyreek Hill was drafted in that draft. Yeah, so I did it because I know he's been going around the fourth or fifth round, and in one of my best ball drafts from, like, right after the NFL draft, he went in the 11th round. He went today, this morning, sixth overall. Sixth, sixth first overall. Water- 
First wide receiver off the board. I get it. It's best ball. He's going to have some really big weeks, but it was the four big running backs, David Johnson, and then Tyreek Hill. That is, uh, that's insane. I mean, uh, or is it rather? I mean, look, he was awesome last year. In half-point PPR leagues, uh, he finished as the wide receiver one last season. And especially in best ball, we know that the type of upside that Tyreek Hill possesses. Uh, EY, you know, what are you doing with Tyreek Hill right now? Is he a first-round pick? I think this you know, now once again cements Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback one. I know a lot of people were flirting with the possibility of a Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck, maybe still Aaron Rodgers in that mix. But I think with Tyreek Hill expected to play 16 games now, that, that vaults Patrick Mahomes back into QB1 territory, the Q, QB1. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's his number one weapon. That's the most dangerous player on the team. And uh, Mahomes is going to shoot up. Hill, obviously, he's already shot up. The fact that he was going that far down in the 11th round in any draft is kind of crazy. I mean, we didn't know it was going to happen. I'm not getting into the morality of it or or if I think it's right or wrong that he plays or there's no suspension. That's not for me to decide. Um, this is a fantasy, fantasy show, and I'm going to talk about him in a fantasy capacity. And uh, right now, he's my wide receiver five, I believe. Maybe, yeah, I mean, you probably move up to my wide receiver three by the end of the week. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I think he's going to be in those top five wide receiver territory. Obviously, we talked about Devontae Adams earlier in the week. Uh, I mentioned that I have him as my wide receiver one. We'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins later on in the show. So all those guys are kind of in the mix for wide receiver one. We know how consistent Michael Thomas is and uh, the opportunity for Juju Smith-Schuster and Odell Beckham. We'll talk about a few of those guys over the next coming weeks as we continue to preview the AFC. Uh, Mike, when it comes to you, I don't know if you've adjusted your rankings yet in terms of wide receivers. Does Tyreek Hill deserve to be the wide receiver one? Is he still behind some of these other Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins names? You know, what does this do to Travis Kelsey as well? Because I saw, I did a draft yesterday where Travis Kelsey went seventh overall. I would have to assume that that's not going to happen anymore. He probably gets bumped back down into the second round. I still think uh, Travis Kelsey is the tight end one. Uh, he led, even with Tyreek Hill having that monster season he did last year, he. Uh, Travis Kelsey still led them in targets and receptions because Travis Kelsey, uh, sorry, Tyreek Hill doesn't demand the ball as much as other receivers because he's such a big play threat. He can get his yardage on a lower catch total. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit, though, where to rank Tyreek Hill. Like currently, I have him fourth in standard. Uh, I have him fifth in half PPR and I think seventh in PPR, but don't hold me to that. You know, it's only been a couple hours of knowing that he's not suspended. I'm still struggling with exactly where to place him. And much like EY, I think he's going to continue to climb up slowly for me, but that's currently where I have him. Yeah, and I think that's a fair range again. I think, look, sixth overall, that's pretty damn aggressive. I understand for best ball, you want as much upside as humanly possible. But man, sixth overall, that is, uh, that is really aggressive. But we'll talk more about the Titans and Texans when we come back. It's Eric Young, Michael Florio, Frank Stanfield here on a Friday. It's the best friends forever on the Fantasy Sports Network. We'll be back right after this.
Welcome back to the BFFs. Frank Stample joined by EY, the Eric Young, and Michael F. Florio. Would have had another reunion two Fridays in a row, but Greg Sussman had to go and ruin it by having a bachelor party. In Fort Lauderdale, of all places. EY, where did you have your bachelor party? Uh, I didn't have one. All right. That, that's fair. Every day is a bachelor <laughs> party if you're me, buddy. That's just the way it goes. My <laughs> wife didn't do it. I didn't do it. We We chose to go to Vegas together. As we are married and planning to spend the rest of our lives together, uh, we went there for a week with 50 of our closest friends, and, and I almost died. It was amazing. <laughs> Eric Young, <laughs> the hopeless romantic. Uh, we can add that to the resume. That is, uh, that is Eric Young's resume. So that, that's interesting. That's awesome, man. Uh, but, you know, you see EY decked out in the Tennessee Titans gear. Let's start there here, right here with the, uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Made a lot of key additions in the offseason here. Uh, bringing in Adam Humphrey, signing Roger Saffold as well, solidifying this offensive line and adding more weapons around Marcus Mariota here in a contract year. Um, this offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, ranked fourth. So lots of high expectations here for the offensive line and this team overall. Last season, the offense didn't get it done. They were 25th in yards per game. They were 27th in points per game. The Titans ran the ball 48.5% of their plays. That was the second highest rate in the league behind the Seattle Seahawks. Their new offensive coordinator is Arthur Smith. He was promoted from tight ends coach. It will be his first time calling plays at the NFL level. So that adds another wrinkle into things here because, you know, rookie play caller, uh, you know, he could be a little bit more conservative. And based on everything else that we've heard so far, it seems like they are leaning that way. But let's start at the top here at the quarterback position. Uh, Marcus Mariota, since joining the league, I mean, he's had a ton of injuries. You look at his frame, you know, for someone who likes to run, he looks a little bit frail. Robert Griffin-esque, maybe not as skinny as a Robert Griffin, but he's had injuries to his MCL. He's had a broken leg. He's had hamstring injuries. He had a nerve issue in his elbow last season. He also had a neck injury last season as well. Uh, I'll start off with you, EY. Do you have any Interest in Marcus Mariota. The offensive line should be better. Uh, and there are pretty good weapons around him with Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, the rookie. They bring in Adam Humphreys. Delaney Walker expected back. So he's got the weapons here. Do you have any interest in Marcus Mariota? Maybe as like your second quarterback in a super flex league? Um, I don't know. It's uh, Quarterback is so deep. And the truth is, is look, I want Mariota to be good. I'm, I'm an I'm a du Oregon Ducks fan. I followed him over. I was hoping for big things. But he just can't seem to stay healthy. Um, I'm not betting on injury because, I mean, that's that's just silly. But he has proven that he, he does have a hard time staying healthy and staying in, in the games and, and, and starting on a consistent basis. Having the upgraded O-line will help, but I do believe that Vrabel wants this team to be a running team. I, I mean, this is one of the very few teams where I think they 100% mean it. Um, Derrick Henry, they said all last season that, oh, he's going to be the bell cow, and he wasn't until the fourth or fifth, you know, four or five weeks left in the season, and we saw what he did with that. Now, I don't think he's going to have games like that where he's 260 yards or anything like that, but I think he's going to get at least 20 carries a game. They're going to lean on him, and that's going to open up the passing game and make it easier for Marcus Mariota. But I'm staying clear of him. I'm, I'm taking him in best balls as my third quarterback, um, as a, as a guy that I think that, you know, could be serviceable, could, could, could flash. I mean, this is a contract year for him. It's important for him, and he's got to prove that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL or they're going to move on. So uh, he's just too scary for me. That makes me sad. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, EY, but, uh, you know, look, I'm going to keep hitting on that contract year for both him and Jameis Winston this year. It's really a make-or-break year for both of these guys. I mean, they've shown some upside in the past, but they've also shown some of their downside. So I think it's a, a make-or-break year for both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. I can, I feel like I can make the argument for Mariota just based on the weapons and the offensive line that they've given him here. But I think the fact that they want to be a more conservative team and actually run the football and the additions they made to the offensive line kind of play into that as well. Um, I think that they just want to control the clock and, you know, just play adequate defense. Mike, I'll throw this one your way as well. Uh, Marcus Mariota in a super flex league, like, uh, you know, what EY said, him as your second or maybe third quarterback in a best ball, I can get behind that. Um, but I just feel like in super flex, quarterback position is so deep. Can I interest you uh, interest you in Marcus Mariota there? No, I think Ewa hit the nail on the head. QB3 is where I want him to be. Like, he is my 27th ranked quarterback, and, and that's a testament to how deep the QB position is. And, and I think both of you are right that Mariota has a lot of upside because of that O-line and because of the weapons around him, but... The fact of the matter is, in his four NFL seasons, he's never topped 3,500 yards. He's topped 20 touchdowns just once. I get it. The rushing ability does give him that upside, which is why I like him as a QB3. But anything higher than that, I feel like we're, you're paying for something we haven't seen before. And, and I do agree with you guys. I think it's a huge year for both Winston and Mariota. And while I think you can make the case that Mariota is the better NFL quarterback, I don't think there's any doubts in our mind who the better fantasy asset is. So that's why I'm excited for Jameis Winston and not really at all about Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense from a fantasy football perspective, too. Just the system, that's what we're looking at here. The system here for Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota is just night and day. We know that Bruce Arians is going to want to throw the ball. I still have concerns about the Bucks' defense, so I think they'll be playing from behind in a lot of games where they'll have to throw. He has really good weapons as well. So this is where, you know, the scheme and the fact that, you know, I think just overall team mentality this season for the Tampa Bay Bucks obviously gives Jameis Winston a, a much higher ceiling and a much higher ranking overall for the quarterback position this year over Marcus Mariota. I have a few more stats here on him I just wanted to mention. Uh, each of the past two seasons, his touchdown rates have been god-awful, 2.9% and 3.3% respectively. Uh, he's thrown just 24 touchdowns in his last 29 regular season games. Uh, the rushing yards per game did go up last season, but again, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes back down a little bit as the team try and tells him, look, we need you to be healthy. We don't need you going out there and trying to make plays with your legs. We'll let Derrick Henry do that. We'll let Deion Lewis do a little bit of that as well. And I just think overall, you know, last year the Titans threw the ball just 437 times. That was 31st in football. I think we probably see a similar number this year for the Tennessee Titans. EY mentioned Derrick Henry. EY, the jersey you're wearing right now, is that a Derrick Henry jersey? There you go. He's rocking the <laughs> Derrick Henry jersey here on the BFFs. We all saw what he did over those final four games. We'll talk about him a little bit. We have the break coming up, so we'll talk about him more after that as well. Uh, true story, Mike. I actually have an expletive written next to Derrick Henry's name because of what he did to us in the playoffs last year. Uh, me, you, and uh, Greg Sussman, we were playing against Derrick Henry in one league. That was against Matt Modica, actually. Um, and he killed us. It was that monster game where he just went off on Thursday night football. And then I went and checked the live scoring. Didn't know I was playing him. Found out. Quickly closed my laptop and cried myself yeah. to sleep. But, but 
But <laughs> I totally forgot about that, Frank. But if you remember, we made a huge comeback, and I think I think it was like Antonio Brown also had like a forty point game that week, and then we we but like we we overcame Henry at first, and then it was just too much. Uh, I our, forgot we lost to that. Our team, our team built us up, and and and, and then just tore us back down, man. That was. Uh, <laughs> That sucked because, you know, we got off to a slow start last year and then our team finally came around. We were hot going into the playoffs. You know, we, we looked at, uh, we looked at Matt Modica's team. We said, this guy's starting Derrick Henry. What a joke. We're going to crush him. That did I'm not work sure out very well. Said that. It did not work out, uh, very well. I'll give you these stats here over the final four weeks and we'll talk about it more when we get back. But 87 carries over the final four games, 585 rushing yards. That was 6.7 yards per carry, seven Rushing touchdowns during that stretch. He had a 99-yard touchdown in that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he has five touchdowns of 54-plus yards in his career. Very deceptive uh, breakaway ability here for Derrick Henry, someone who's six foot three, 250 pounds. Uh, he was actually fourth in evaded tackles and third in juke rate last year, according to a player profiler. Just very, very deceptive running back. That is Derrick Henry. We'll talk about him more when we get back. It's EY, Michael Florio, Frank Stample here on the BFS Fantasy Sports Network. Frank Stample joined by Eric Young and Michael Florio. Before we get back into Derrick Henry, I just got this update on my phone. I thought it was hilarious. The Denver Broncos have opened up camp starting yesterday. We got a little Philip Lindsay news there. But uh, Vic Fangio had this to say about Drew Locke, their second-round quarterback. Quote, he's not a quarterback yet. Not really a ringing endorsement for your second-round draft pick. I've, uh, I've heard Eric Young say uh, Andrew Luck was not a quarterback when he wasn't practicing, but... Uh, I've never actually heard this said about a uh, about a second round draft pick. So uh, there you go, a ring endorsement for Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos. Let's go back into uh, Derrick Henry here, and I'll, I'll I'll throw it your way, Ey. You're wearing his jersey. I know you were all over Derrick Henry last year. I have to assume that based on all the reports that we've heard and the fact that they have a first year play caller at the NFL level in Arthur Smith that. They are going to be conservative, they're going to run the football, and a lot of that is going to be done with Derrick Henry. How excited are you about Derrick Henry this season? I'm excited, man. Like last year, look, I was all over him. I was drafting him way before most people. Uh, everyone made fun of me, and that's fine. Like, look, I play fantasy football because I love it, and I want to cheer for my hometown guys. I believe what they were saying. They said that Derrick Henry was going to be a bell cow running back. They said that they were going to give the ball to him over and over and over. And I went over to training camp and I saw this six foot four, 250 pound guy running like a lightning bolt and thought, this sounds like the greatest idea of all time. He is a massive, massive human being. He looks like a defensive end or even a defensive tackle. And then he, they hit him the ball and he shoots uh, through the gut and out to the outside, like he was shot out of a cannon. He is a superhuman athlete, a superhuman athlete, an unbelievable football player. And I'm saying right now, Derek Henry will finish standard league and half point PPR in the top five running backs in the league this year. Woo! 
calling his shot. Top five running back this year, Derrick Henry, in both standard and half PPR leagues. That's interesting because uh, you're about to hear some things from Michael Florio that you might not want to hear, EY. You might want to take your headphones off for this, or, or you might want to oh. hear it so that you can put them through a table next time you see him. I love, uh, I love hearing people be wrong. Go ahead. Mikey, what do you got on Derrick Henry? <laughs> I, I do not want EY to put me through a table, nor do I wish any bad for, for Henry or for the Titans. I just – it's hard for me to get excited about this Titans offense. I like so many of their pieces, but together there's so many mouths to feed there. And that includes the running backs. Like, Deion Lewis is the better pass-catching running back. I don't think there's anyone who would dispute that. He was better in every catching, like, receiving metric last year across the board. So, plus – Derrick Henry has never once been heavily utilized in the passing game ever. So I think that alone makes Derrick Henry too reliable on game script. Like when they have a lead and they can run, sure, they're going to run Derrick Henry into the ground. But when they fall behind in games and knowing that, you know, we don't really love Mariota and we understand that he is an injury risk, I think it is a possibility that they do fall behind a, quite a bit, a bit. And in those games, I think we're going to see a lot of Deion Lewis. Plus, they did, while I think they are going to be a run-first team, they did go out and use a high draft pick on A.J. Brown. They did outbid the Patriots for Adam Humphreys. So they brought in talent there in the passing game. They're going to have a healthy Delaney Walker again. So they do have weapons. I wrote a whole article on why I'm not excited about Derrick Henry, and a big part of it was up until that final stretch, he wasn't even a top 30 wide receiver. And there was five games last year where he did not have double-digit touches. To me, it's just too volatile. I I don't disagree with EY and think that there's going to be very big games and that he's an uber-talented athlete, but it's the fact to me that he's not utilized in the passing game that that makes me want to stay away. Here's what I'll say about Derrick Henry. You mentioned those first 13 weeks, Mike. He was RB 37 and half point PPR leagues through the first 13 weeks of the season. He was the RB1 over the final four weeks. So he flashed it upside and show you, showed you what he can do. Uh, but there you go. You have the downside. You have the upside. You see what he, what happened in the first 13 weeks when he's not utilized correctly. And we saw what he can do when he was utilized correctly over that final month of the season. He finished with 12 total touchdowns. He had 13 goal line carries last season. That was number two among running backs. So my final thoughts here on Derrick Henry. I think that there's upside. I like him a little bit more for best ball because of some of the reasons that Mike mentioned. You can't really predict game script on a week-to-week basis, but I think that there are going to be some big upside games for Derrick Henry this season. It wouldn't surprise me one, one bit if he leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns this year. Remember, he finished, he scored seven over the final four weeks of the season and 12 overall. We know that he's going to be used on the goal line. Deion Lewis is not going to be used in that capacity, but he is not going to catch passes. In every season he's been in the league, he hasn't surpassed 18 targets or 15 receptions. So that caps his upside in PPR. But if he can run for a ton of yards and score touchdowns, that's obviously where he's going to make his money. And I think the blueprint is there for the Tennessee Titans. If they look at what the Dallas Cowboys have done over the past few seasons, control the ball, control the clock, run the football, don't expose your defense by having them on the field, have Marcus Mariota just throw the ball when he needs to and make certain plays, kind of like how Dak Prescott has been used, that is the blueprint for the Tennessee Titans it just remains to be seen if they can actually put that all together. Uh, so you see both ends of the spectrum. You see EY really excited about Derrick Henry this season. Florio, 
a little bit more apprehensive on him, and then I think I fall somewhere in the middle, so you can kind of make your own judgment based on all three opinions of Derrick Henry here. And I will throw this out as well. Uh, Deion Lewis, I love him as a value right now. RB49 in NFFC ADP, I mean, you're getting him for free. So, I mean, if you could get this guy in uh, best ball as like your RB5 in that range, or even in a redraft, if you get him as your RB5, um, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, either one of you guys interested in, in, in Deion Lewis, I'll, I'll start with you, EY, real quick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this guy is a, a guy that's proven it. I mean, he's he was a great player in New England. I think he was serviceable last year when the Titans couldn't move the ball and, and weren't really in games. But the reality is Deion Lewis is a good player, a great player. Um, and he's proven that he can run the ball as well. He will be the pass catcher there. I, I'm not going to argue that at all. Derrick Henry, that's not what he does. Do I think he could do it here and there? Yes. Uh, he's quick. You mean like way quicker than he should be at that size? I think that's dangerous. Getting a you know a, 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 a flat route out to the side, you put the ball in his hand, and some five foot ten, hundred and sixty pound cornerback has to tackle him. Good luck, man. You you're not playing. <laughs> you know what I mean like that? That would be something that I'd be trying to do. Uh, I know that's not really in his skill set, and that's not something that he's proven that he can do. But I like I said, it's just going back to this guy's a freak athlete. But Dion Lewis, where he's going, I think that's a very very high value, and I think the Titans could be a sneaky good offense this year with the improvement of the offensive line. Mikey, what do you think about Deion Lewis as a potential late-round target? I just look at it where he's going in drafts, and he's just going so late. RB49 off the board, he's basically free, and we've seen what he could do in the past on a per-touch basis. He is a, uh, he's a he's a slippery running back. Do you have any interest? Yeah, I, uh, I do. I'm kicking myself a little bit for not drafting him more in some of my previous best ball drafts, but the first 13 weeks of the season, he was their lead runner. He... He was playing 60% of the snaps to Henry's 40. And even in those final four weeks where Henry did really take over as the lead back, it was 57% of the snaps to 46 for Lewis. And Lewis was still running more routes, and we know he's going to be using the passing game more. I also think if the passing game struggles with Derrick Henry, you know, like if, if he struggles to get a part of it, Deion Lewis is the more versatile running back. He's the harder one for defenses to predict. So I do think he will still see the field about at least 50% of the time. I think he there is a good value there. Let's move on over to the pass catchers here for the Tennessee Titans. I think you can kind of tell based on our analysis of Marcus Mariota that at least I am. I'm not going to speak for these guys. I'll let them talk about the pass catchers as well. I'm kind of worried here. You heard Mike say, like, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Corey Davis could be a breakout. The keyword is could. It's his third season. He could be a post-hype sleeper. He's still going in that seventh round range, so you're not really getting a great discount on him. They brought in A.J. Brown, who has the look and the feel of an NFL player. Like, I actually feel really good about A.J. Brown as an NFL wide receiver, but I think that his upside might be capped just because there's A.J. Brown, there's Corey Davis, there's Adam Humphreys. Oh, and let's not forget, there's Delaney Walker, who's returning, who was Marcus Mariota's go-to guy the past couple of seasons. Before last season, Delaney Walker had four straight seasons of 800 receiving yards or more. So, you know, if I miss out on those top six tight ends and, and you know, maybe Vance McDonald, obviously, in that mix, too, then Delaney Walker is a target of mine late in drafts. Guys, we only have about two minutes left. EY, I'll start with you. Uh, do you like any of the pass catchers here when it comes to the Tennessee Titans? I mean, for me, Corey Davis is the only one that I'm I'm touching. 
Um, he's a number one, uh, something that I'm doing in, in a lot of my best ball, and I think I'll, I'll do it in a lot of my regular drafts, is I'm just going after number one wide receivers, w- whether they're on a running team or a passing team. And Corey Davis is the, going to be the number one there. Um, A.J. Brown looks like a, a, a player. He looks like a number one, but we don't know what he is. And this is another prove-it season for Corey Davis. So um, with a healthy Mariota, the running game running how it should, that should leave Corey Davis uh, with plenty of room to run, plenty of room to catch the ball. And uh, I, I think he's a, a great number one receiver on, on, on any team. My worry is of the volume for fans. Mikey. If Mikey, you mentioned that there are a lot of mouths to feed on this team. Real quick, we only have about a minute left here. Um, does anybody interest you on this team, including Corey Davis? No, Corey Davis, I put it on Twitter earlier. He did most of his damage from the slot last year, and then they went out. The Titans signed Humphreys, who's a slot receiver, drafted A.J. Brown, who gets juju comparisons because he's a big slot receiver. That's where you think he can excel. Plus, they're getting Delaney Walker back, who does a lot of damage from the slot. I I think this is one of those offenses where there's a lot of mouths to feed, and I'm I'm going to stay away from the passing game for the most part. I have Corey Davis as a top 40 wide receiver, but he is a wide receiver three. He is not inside my top 30 right now. Corey Davis currently going off the board at wide receiver 34, right around some names like Christian Kirk, Dante Pettis, Will Fuller, all wide receivers who I think have more upside than him. When we come back, we'll talk about the Houston Texans and Will Fuller. It's a fantasy BFS here on a Friday. Frank Stanfield, EY, Michael Florio. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the BFFs. Frank Stanfield joined by the Eric Young and Michael Florio. No Greg Sussman. He's out celebrating his bachelor party. I hope he doesn't like any of the Titans or Texans because... He's not here to talk about him. But knowing him, I mean, he probably loves Derrick Henry because me and him have just been pretty much opposite on a bunch of players so far this year. I'll have to ask him next time I talk to him. But we have about 20 minutes left for this hour to get through all the Houston Texans. Don't worry, when we get to the position breakdowns, we'll talk more extensively about Deshaun Watson and the wide receivers for this team. And obviously, hashtag Lamar Miller sucks. But let's start with Deshaun Watson uh, last year was the most sacked quarterback, and they tried to address the offensive line. They probably could have done more in the offseason in terms of maybe trying to sign some guys. Uh, they did use their first two-round picks on offensive linemen, but still, according to Pro Football Focus, they have this Texans offensive line ranked as the 31st unit in the NFL. That would be the second worst. Regardless, Deshaun Watson still finishes the QB4 in points per game last season, and that was with a fractured rib, a punctured lung. Remember, this guy couldn't he couldn't take a plane at some point last year. He had to take the bus from city to city because of the this fractured rib injury that he was suffering from, and he still finished as a QB4 overall. I'll start off with you, Mike, this time when it comes to Deshaun Watson. We know that there's a top four quarterback tier. It's Mahomes, it's Watson, it's Andrew Luck, it's Aaron Rodgers. Not necessarily in that order. Do you find yourself drafting any of these guys... Obviously, uh, Deshaun Watson, we'll talk, we want to focus on him, but do you find yourself drafting any of these guys, or is it just, you know, maybe I'll just take the last one of this tier because I all think that they have the QB1 upside? 
I don't find myself taking them because I'm a typically a weight on QB guy. I think I wrote an article on it a couple months back. I still think it holds true. Patrick Mahomes is not going to do what he did last year, even with a healthy Tyreek Hill. I think Patrick Mahomes will be amazing. I still have him as my QB one, but he literally scored more points last year than any quarterback ever has, even more than Peyton Manning. The only time we ever saw players score more than him was 06 and LT, at least using NFL uh, fantasy scoring and I don't think he's going to rewrite the record book again. I think, though, if you want to give me a player who could run away with the quarterback position like Mahomes did last year, I think it is Deshaun Watson. And I think you brought up a good point when that middle of the season when he had that fractured ribs. I, I don't know if you remember that the play of Deshaun Watson really did struggle a little bit in that stretch. He wasn't even running. And then at the end of the year, he started running again. He had, I think, four rushing touchdowns in the final two weeks. I have to double check that. But... He had a lot of, he, he was rushing a lot more towards the end of the year and made that push and actually made me look bad because he finished just ahead of Andrew Luck and all year Luck was ahead of him. That was one of the predictions I had going into last year. But I do think to me, tier one is Mahomes, Watson, Luck. And then that's it. I have Rodgers in the tier two with him and Baker Mayfield, the upside to be the QB one, but I don't know if they have the upside of those other three. And I think Watson, his upside is as high as Mahomes, I think, because of the rushing ability. EY, I'll throw this one back at you as well regarding Deshaun Watson and the top quarterbacks. Do you find yourself drafting any of these guys? I agree with Mike. I think Watson has the QB1 upside based on that, you know, that rushing and, and passing upside uh, potential together that he obviously possesses and the weapons that he has on that team. The offensive line still kind of scares me, though. What do you have on Deshaun Watson this year, EY? Yeah, I mean, the upside is obvious. I mean, this is a guy that, that has has finished when he is even mildly healthy in the top five quarterbacks. Last year uh, was, was banged up and super old school, taking the bus to games. That, I mean, I want Deshaun Watson to quarterback my football team. Fantasy team is, I've got him number four, and that's just because of the injury. This is a guy that relies on his, his legs more than my other top three, which is Mahomes, uh, Luck, Rodgers, those guys all run too, but they run when it's only necessary. I feel Deshaun Watson will tuck the ball before most of them, and that's why he gets hurt. Um, I don't think he's uh, as technical or as good as a thrower as any of those other three guys. Um, I know there was big concerns on the velocity of his ball and his release when he came out of college. I don't think he's done a lot to improve any of those things, um, but he's a guy that wins. And having Kiki Cutie back, having Fuller healthy, um, Deontay Foreman, I think, is a guy that that is is a really cool pick um, and could take over the number one job this year. There's some of the reports of in uh, minicamp was that he looked really, really good um, last year. I mean, the Achilles and that's going to affect him. But Sean Watson is still my number four just because I don't other than Mahomes. I don't think there's anyone that has a higher upside because of his running. But with running comes injury and he's proven that he, it's very hard for him to stay healthy. Yeah, so that might lean, uh, lean itself more on uh, if you want to take Deshaun Watson doing so in a one-quarterback league because, you know, if he were to get hurt because of that rushing, then you can have a serviceable backup either off waiver wire or on your bench or whatever. Uh, whereas, you know, if he goes down in a super flex league, it's going to be a lot harder to obviously replace him. But as of now, my quarterback rankings still kind of shuffling things around. I have Deshaun Watson as my QB, too, just behind Patrick Mahomes because of the immense upside that he possesses and the weapons that he has. Look, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Kiki QT. We've seen in games that Will Fuller is healthy, Deshaun Watson just plays at 
an absurd level. I mean, how do you stop the passing attack of this team when those three guys are healthy? Because you have Kiki QT, you know, under underneath, in, over the middle of the field, who can make plays after the catch. DeAndre Hopkins might be the pound-for-pound pound best wide receiver in the league. And then obviously what Will Fuller possesses in terms of being able to get down the field uh, – that speed is uh, legitimate. He is coming off a torn ACL, so we'll have to monitor Will Fuller as well. Uh, but you mentioned Deonta Foreman and the run game. I do want to go there next. Lamar Miller sucks. Or does he? Because last year he averaged 4.6 yards per carry. Uh, not too shabby for Lamar Miller, but for most of his Houston Texans career, he has not been a very efficient running back. He's getting up there in age. He is now 28 years old, and I've been taking... Deonta Foreman in a lot of my best ball drafts, so far in best ball, later on, uh, my late round RB picks, I've been targeting running backs that either have older, less efficient running backs ahead of them on the depth chart, or running backs who have serious injury concerns. So with that, I keep finding myself drafting Deonta Foreman and Ido Smith because of those concerns that I have. Devontae Freeman has a lot of injury concerns, and obviously Lamar Miller, I have concerns about his efficiency and usage for the Houston Texans. So Mike... Uh, when it comes to this uh, this backfield, do you believe that Lamar Miller sucks? And are you targeting Deonta Foreman? Lamar Miller is very boring. I'm not totally sure he completely sucks and goes away in this offense. I know we've been rooting for that for a while now. And last year, Dante Foreman proved to be a, a worthless pick. He only played. Uh, he only had seven carries all year. But I, I do. I like taking him this year a lot more because he's had a full year to recover from that. You know, Achilles injury. And I think that now, as Lamar Miller does get up in age, is the time where they should be looking to replace him. Although I'm not sure, at least early on in the year, I think Lamar Miller is still a factor. I don't know if we see him fully go away at any point this year. And if we do, I think it'll be in the second half. But yeah, Foreman is a guy that I've been targeting in uh, my best ball drafts as well because he goes late. And because you want pieces of this offense. I Frank, I think you hit the nail on the head with the passing game. Like I love every one of these receivers and the Texas offense is an offense that I'm going to be targeting in fantasy football this year. Absolutely. They're going to put up a ton of points. I believe it was a stat that Evan Silva mentioned that uh, every year that Bill O'Brien has been with this team, they have finished top 12 in total offense or scoring offense, something along those lines. But they have, a, have been a good offensive football team as long as uh, Bill O'Brien has been there. And, you know, I guess outside of uh, Brock Osweiler, who... Look, you're not going to do anything with Brock Osweiler. We've seen that. He was the only person who can legitimately hold back DeAndre Hopkins. And that is a uh, that's a really hard thing to do. Like I, I think if you put EY as the quarterback, you could probably do a better job with, uh, with DeAndre Hopkins than Brock Osweiler did. Uh, EY, was there anything else that you want to add to the, the, the running backs here for the Houston Texans? Lamar Miller going in that seventh-round range. So you can get him as like your RB3, your flex it's not a terrible ADP for a starting running back for a football team. There's just not a lot of upside when it comes to Lamar Miller. Yeah, I think that's about right. Decent value. Uh, like Florio nailed it. It is, it is boring, but look at sometimes having guys like that on your roster is very important. He's just going to give you points every single week, keep you in the hunt. You can't have, you know, a whole team of upside guys hoping and praying every week. you got to have guys that are going to give you sticks very standard, very good workman-like performances every week. And Lamar Miller is one of those guys. Uh, look at 28 uh, football years, I guess, is old. Uh, that makes me feel really old. Uh, 
So, yeah, I mean, and I don't think uh, early on Lamar Miller didn't have a pile of work. So I I think at 28, he's still going to be effective. But I do believe that they're going to use Foreman quite a bit. And uh, Miller is an injury risk. He's proven that over and over and over. But this is you want parts of this offense. Uh, I believe that 100 percent like Florio nailed it. I I want the receivers. I think Fuller is more of a best ball guy. I think Kiki Cutie is going to have a ton of receptions this year, so I'm going after him, especially in half point and full point PPR. I just want to wrap up the running backs real quick. I have an interesting stat here on Deonta Foreman, and I don't want to downplay the fact that he's coming off an Achilles injury, but he's now you know, almost two years removed from that injury. Mike mentioned it. He didn't really play much. Uh, last season, so I think that you know, the further he gets away from that Achilles injury, hopefully he can gain some of that explosiveness back. But back in 2017, when Foreman was healthy, he had three rushes of 20-plus yards in just 78 rushing attempts. Lamar Miller had just two in 200-plus rushing attempts. So that just kind of gives you the, uh, the, the juxtaposition is the word I'll use when you're comparing Lamar Miller versus Deonta Foreman in terms of their respective explosiveness. You mentioned Kiki QT. We don't have much time before the break here. We'll have uh, we'll have that short little three-minute segment coming back here where we can answer a couple of questions. Uh, but Kiki QT had 77 yards or a touchdown in the four games that he was completely healthy. That's what I'll call it. The games where like he really played most, he was really, really consistent. And again, I'll just go back to it. I don't know how you try and figure out what you're going to stop. If you're a if you're defensively game planning for this Houston Texans team, if you're trying to stop DeAndre Hopkins, double teaming him, then you have Will Fuller on the other side and you have Kiki QT underneath. It's just a really 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 hard offense to try and game plan against. And we saw in the playoffs, you know, when they tried to and I guess successfully shut down DeAndre Hopkins, Kiki QT went off, 11 receptions, 110 yards and a touchdown. Mike, is Kiki QT someone that you are targeting this season? Very much so. I have a bias for slot receivers. I think slot receivers are the hardest players to cover in football. I think that they're open almost every single play. So I I do love them in PPR. I have him as my the second rated wide receiver from this team in PPR. In standard, I do have Will Fuller higher. And I don't know if we saw Kiki QT healthy at any point last year. Same could kind of be said for Will Fuller in the second half. But in the four games they did play together... Kiki QT was seeing 7.5 targets per game. Hopkins was seeing 9.8. He's still lead dog. And Fuller was down to 4.8 per game. So I do think QT is going to be a staple in this offense. And I think he may even see more targets and receptions than Fuller, which is why I have him in PPR. I just think Fuller is in standard is that take the top off the the defense guy. But I love QT. He's in a, a tier, a group with me uh, with wide receivers like D.D. Westbrook, Sterling Shepard, all these slot guys that I think get a little underrated that, to me, they're all wide receiver threes that I'm happily drafting. And I'll throw this out there as well. Kiki QT and Will Fuller, they haven't necessarily been the models of health. If one of those guys goes down, the other one is going to be phenomenal for fantasy purposes. So just keep that in mind as well. Kiki QT, uh, he battled the hamstring last year. But, you know, Will Fuller has missed a ton of games over his first two seasons. I believe he might have had a hamstring his rookie season. And then last year, obviously, toward the ACL. So I think when all three guys are in the mix, there are a lot of mouths to feed here. And you heard the target breakdown from Mike. But if there's any stretch where one of QT or Will Fuller goes down, that other person who is healthy is going to have massive upside. 
I saved the best for last. We'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins when we come back in that short segment. Michael Florio, Eric Young, Frank Stanfield here. It's the BFS on a Friday. Fantasy Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the BFFs. Frank Stample joined by Eric Young and Michael Florio. No Greg Sussman. He's out celebrating at his bachelor party down in Fort Lauderdale. If you live in the Florida area, I don't know. Go try and find a wild Greg Sussman somewhere. That's all I got to say on that. I mentioned DeAndre Hopkins will save the best for last here. This incredibly consistent. There's not much more that you could say about DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, 74 yards are a touchdown in every single game he played last season. You want to talk about games played? He's missed just one in his career. He is an Ironman outside of a blip in 2016, which was Brock Osweiler. He has not finished lower than wide receiver four in each of the past three seasons, in um, 2015, 2017, and 2018 outside of 2016. Uh, the target share not, doesn't dip below 30%. It's just massive, 32.9% target share. Last season led the entire NFL as of now, he's my wide receiver, too. I still have Devontae Adams ahead of him. I think you can make a case for each of these guys. I don't necessarily think that there is a wrong answer. EY, I believe you have DeAndre Hopkins as your wide receiver one as well. Uh, again, I just I don't really think I don't really see how you can go wrong with either one of these guys at the top. Yeah, I took him over uh, number one overall. Having Watson as his quarterback, uh, again, it will only make him better. This is a guy that can give you big games, can give you consistency, can give you touchdowns, can give you yards after the catch. He's my number one receiver. I think I had him my number one receiver last year. Um, the guy's a, he's just an incredible wide receiver. I think he's the best in the NFL, and I think he's the best fantasy wide receiver in the NFL as well. We have just a minute left. Mike, I'm going to give you a hard task here. If you had to make a case against DeAndre Hopkins, what would it be? Uh, the fact that Will Fuller and QT could stay healthy the whole year, that's maybe the only way. He was number one in target share, like you said, and number two in percentage of a team's air yards last year behind only Julio Jones. And those two were far and away the top two. Like, So not only is he going to see a ton of the throws go his way, a ton of the downfield shots, the available yardage is going his way. I think he is the most talented wide receiver in football. He is my WR1 in standard and two in PPR and half behind only Devontae Adams. I want to thank EY for stopping in today. Have a good weekend, EY. Coming up in Hour 2, Michael Furrio will stick around with me.